what's going on this is the shw podcast shw this is our wrestling i'm b double brandon benefield gb gerard bonner diana michelle how y'all doing today good how are you fantastic gb i'm good you know the weather's warm uh we have power uh (laughs) all these things are are good things that i think we probably took for granted before last week and our friends in texas and all they're dealing with so yeah yeah, so I'm good and I'm ready for wrestling. That's what I'm at. I'm ready. Yeah. I can't believe I can't believe we're only one week away from SHW twenty five. How'd it get here so fast? Yeah, that short month of February is even shorter. Yep. So yeah, we're we're back at it. Next week, uh SHW twenty five should be nuts. And it really does feel like every day there's been something going on leading up to the show. So it's it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, all, all week long, we've had announcements kind of filling out the rest of the card leading up to next week. So uh, we're actually going to preview that entire card, but we're going to do that a little bit later with our guest this week. Our guest is none other than Nathan Mowry, who yeah. is part of the uh, well, P- Kind Punk Films, you know, from yes. uh, Kind Punk. You know him as part of the SHW production crew. He's one of our camera guys. Uh, the guy is just... Uh, just a, a video a film a film wizard i mean he's doing everything yeah. documentaries music videos yeah. uh, all kinds of stuff so we're very excited to talk talk to him here and uh, we got a chance to sit down with him a little earlier and here's how it went check it out all right everybody like we said we have an amazing guest this week he is the kindest of all punks uh he's got uh quite the resume from documentaries from fozzy music videos and of course uh, one of the major production guys for SHW. It's the one and only Nathan Mowry. Buddy, how are you? Hey, Nick. I am doing fantastic. <laughs> you guys for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, thank you for joining us. And, um, I mean, where do you guys want to get started here? You've got so much uh, going on in the world right now, in the world of video mm-hmm. and film. I mean, I don't even know where to start, but I know uh, uh, Relentless uh, is the – ddpy documentary that's out right now on amazon prime uh and i actually just watched it a couple weeks ago and it's phenomenal by the way as is most of the stuff you do let's be honest um but i mean talk to us about about how that's doing and uh the reception you're getting from uh, the people that have seen it so far yeah man it's, it's been really good like we, we worked on relentless for about four years so it's been like a long time wow. coming for it to finally kind of come out i was so excited when uh steve uh, Steve Yu from DDP Yoga Text being said, hey, it's uh, going to be on Amazon Prime. And I've been really excited. And it's 
and it was up there for free so literally anyone can just watch it and it's been it's been great it's like the reception has been like incredible there hasn't been any really negative like uh feedback that that i've had so far so which is like very rare especially in this day and age and like it's all like uh like it's gotten like a really strong five-star rating on amazon prime and people have been messaging about how they've been inspired and everything by that and not fully knowing all the stuff that Dallas went through to make DDP yoga a success. So it's, okay. it's just an awesome thing to be a part of. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's going well. So I'm very, very just happy with how all that all turned out. That's awesome, man. And I, I'm, the thing is, uh, I didn't, like you said, I didn't know all the stuff that went behind DDPY. Like in this day and age, people just hear DDPY and it's kind of like, it's such a thing that yeah. not just to wrestling fans but to just people in general they're like oh yeah i've heard of ddpy but like if you see this documentary it kind of goes through the, it started way back in what like 07 or maybe before that where he started yeah. really trying to get it started and this documentary does a great job of talking about the entire process all the way up until now which uh was just crazy man and, and tell us a little bit too uh about how you even got involved with ddp in the first place because uh people don't realize this but you're actually i guess part of his production company uh, or how would you describe that? What, what exactly are you doing there with DDPY? Yeah, so I, I started working with Dallas back in 2013 when they were shooting The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, and it was right after the Arthur video came out, and which really blew DDP Yoga up. And so, he, which after that video happened, Dallas could afford to bring on some more uh, people to kind of help promote everything. So I, I, we, so I showed up then, and we were also just kind of filming just everything that was happening with Jake on a day-to-day -day basis. And and uh, just doing stuff to promote that. So I started then, and then, um, yeah, I worked full-time with uh, at DDPY until about uh, last summer, and then I went full-time with Kind Punk. But I still, you know, also show up there, so I still have, a, you know, a key and everything, and they still let me come in, and, and I come in there to hang out every now and again. So, and, you know, to, three of my roommates, you know, uh, the Kind Punk house basically still works there, you know, like uh, Trevor and Robert and uh, Kayla are all, you know, at uh, DDP Yoga still. So I'm still very much connected to it. And I still do an AEW shoot through them every now and again. So it's still really good. It's been, that was like the best, some of the best uh, experiences of my life was just working at DDP Yoga. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I want to ask you this, uh, A, as a loyal ddpy guy like i'm just amazed by the story behind it it's incredible and it's got my own special feel to it but i'm intrigued because i want to know how you even got into uh directing producing that level of storytelling what what got you into that because you're so good you have to have an eye unlike anybody else so how, how did you get into that uh dude thank you very much um it's uh so basically, and then you guys have met uh, Robert Peak. Uh, yes. he, he used to shoot at all the time. And, but he, uh, so me and him, we grew up together. Like, I, there's never been a point in my life where I didn't know Robert. Like, when we were like five and six years old, we would just take our mom's VHS cameras and just go make funny videos together when we were little kids. Wow. And, and then we kind of just kept doing that as teenagers. And then before we know it, that was kind of like, ended up just being our career. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of like how that kind of started so at, when I was like 17 or 18 I was just like I need to figure out how to you know turn this hobby into a career somewhat because I was working in like a bunch of like factories and stuff like that and I just wasn't it wasn't really for me not that there's anything wrong working in factories I just wanted to like 
uh, be a creative and be a storyteller, be a filmmaker, do the things that I do all the time with all my free time. And, and uh, then I decided to just, you know, take the chance at it. And I remember just telling my mom, I was like, yeah, I could have a steady job at a factory and make really good money, but I will be miserable. So I'd rather make less money and be completely happy because, you know, nice. money is not that big of a value to me. So I decided, you know what, when I was 19, I decided to move in with this filmmaker that I looked up to in Atlanta named Isaac Dietz. And so when I was 19, which is about, it was about 10 years ago that I moved here to kind of pursue my dream of filmmaking and, uh, and then just ended up working out. So one of the old roommates that I had at that house that I first moved into ended up get, working at DDP yoga through like a wow. Craigslist app and then brought wow. me along because I was a wrestling fan and, and an editor. And, uh, and I think I had a, you know, a slight advantage knowing professional wrestling really, really well as an editor for that. And I knew the stories of a lot of the people. So uh, I ended up just being a fit with, with that. And so I, I've been, I was there just forever along with uh, Dylan and everybody else. So it's been incredible. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And so obviously being a wrestling fan, as you said, has really helped with you know, just the stories you've been able to tell uh, for DDPY, SHW, AEW. Tell me your first memories of getting into uh, liking pro wrestling and who were some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? And, you know, like, you know, obviously growing up in the South, like pro wrestling is kind of like a staple of our culture almost to a degree. And yes. So when I was a little kid, I knew everybody was super into it, but I personally didn't get into it until I was about 14 years old. And that was okay. probably. 2004 2005 and I remember just randomly like switching over to Spike TV one day when Monday Night Raw was on there and I remember watching uh Matt Hardy and Edge when that was happening and I oh yeah stumble upon when they had their street fight and uh Matt hit the side effect off the side of the stage through all the electrical equipment and as like a 14 year old boy it just like blew my mind I'm like what is this I need to what and I've just been obsessed ever since so and then I saw, uh, I started watching Jeff Hardy. So, like, the Hardys, they are, like, what got me into pro wrestling, as a lot of people my age do. So, and, and they're the reasons I broke a lot of trampolines as a kid, because I just wanted to jump <laughs> off stuff. So, I'd be jumping out of trees and barns, breaking trampolines, you know, bad influences, but I, I love it. So, Hardys for sure. And also, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the other person that really drew me in, because he was just such a cool character and such a badass and like, I mean, one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. And then he sounds like every, like all my friends' dads. So it was kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, relatable in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So like, all right. So you're talking about these guys that you looked up to. Let's think about Stone Cold, who I know you've worked with and done stuff for. We'll get to that in a little bit, but like Matt Hardy has come to AEW uh, last year. Have you had a uh, chance to work a lot with him when you were working with AEW? Yes. Yeah, me and Robert actually had uh, the chance to film or help film like the final deletion, the elite deletion that happened with him and Sammy Guevara. Like we, we got to be, uh, go to Matt Hardy's house and kind of film wow. that. And like, wow. I'm just, you know, I'm just walking around just kind of, you know, being a mark on the inside, being like, yo, this is a hard compound, you know? I've, yeah. I've read the biographies. I, I had their actual figures, you know, I had DVDs, I had it all, you know? Big, still a big fan, so I was like, man, it's weird because, you know, like when you're a kid, you think about interacting with these people that you look up to and that you admire that they're almost superheroes. And for me to actually have that opportunity and being able to drive and pass a sign that says Cameron, North Carolina, knowing that I'm filming so, and contributing something to uh, pro wrestling and something that Matt Hardy is doing, even if it was just a small thing, because like 
like we only had like a few really small things that actually were put into the match that me and Robert shot, but even just being a footnote in that match and being a part of part of that, actually being able to work with Matt Hardy in any capacity is just a highlight of my career for sure. That's insane. I, I just, I'm geeking out for you because I know that yeah. you're such a fan of him and to be able to like, not only just meet him, but just to like actually be working with him uh, and, and help him put on one of those matches. But uh, on that same note, uh, you mentioned Stone Cold was like another guy that you looked up to and, and were a big fan of growing up. And, and you know, we talked about this uh, a couple years ago, but you had done some stuff several years back with him. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you did with him and, and some of the funny stories? I know you guys uh, going grocery shopping and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'll, yeah, tell I'll us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I've told you guys this before, but yeah, like uh, back in uh, 2015, uh, me and my friend Neely ended up going uh, to work and for or staying at Stone Cold Steve Austin's cabin for like three or four days. And so what happened was like uh, Steve Austin and I came through DDP Yoga and he was just like, oh man, this is really cool and uh, Steve Austin asked if uh, asked Dallas if he could borrow some of his film people, you know. And Dallas is like, "Yeah, absolutely." And then Dallas is like, "Hey, do you want to go to Steve Austin's cabin for a few days?" And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, duh. Like, who? Yeah. Like, there's no, you, there's no man in the world that's going to say no to that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, literally every dude in the world has dreamed about hanging out with Steve Austin, and I was right. just like, oh my god. And even had to like, I shared like a drink with him and everything, and I'm just like, wow, this bucket list. You know what I mean? It's right. Crazy. So, did you drink it like? Did you drink it like this? With the course, that's the only way, you know. Yeah. Just, okay. That's just, the only way to drink a beer with Steve Austin, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Okay. Um, the day that we went to go film with him, we texted him and asked where we wanted to meet him, and he told me about Ingles, which I think I told you guys about that before. Oh, Ingles. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's just like, maybe down at the Ingles. Ingles is badass, and he just loved Ingles, and he was just putting it over so hard. Uh, Ingles is the ultimate grocery store. It has like everything that you need. It's, just the best just top of the line like he just just put it over i was like he secretly worked for angles he was yeah really about angles and i remember uh grocery shopping with him and that was really weird i have a photo of it and he's just like looking at fish in the supermarket i'm just standing next to him and everybody's like that's steve austin and so that was a crazy experience and we went to his uh yeah i went to his cabin and he basically wanted us to shoot him uh riding his Kawasaki jet ski because I guess he's like an ambassador <laughs> for that and so we were just filming him riding jet skis and I was just like man this is like this is this is the peak of my life like I'm going downhill after this there's no way that I'll ever have like experience like this again and uh so and actually Steve Austin like hit it like got a big wave of water and just basically like drenched my camera and i remember oh my uh, gosh he said like around and he saw me just panically like trying to try off my camera and he's like well i'll buy anything that you want or just whatever and i'm like nah it's good and we hung out and he like uh cooked food and everything and we uh uh, met this other band called the three and 20 band there and then he asked us he's like hey do you want to be on our on my podcast and and i'm like uh yeah absolutely (laughs) yes for sure and um (laughs) So I got to be on the podcast with uh, my friend Neely, and we talked about the resurrection of um, Jake the Snake and being a part of that. And I have uh, that whole uh, podcast uploaded on my YouTube channel if, you, if anybody is curious or wants to listen to that. So, but yeah, that was just a wild experience, especially because he's like he's like the man. Like he could arguably be the most successful, most popular professional wrestler of all yeah. time. So yeah. I know he is for me. So it's it, it was just 
yeah, just a surreal experience tonight. Like I've, I'm just like, man, I have no idea what I did to deserve like such a great opportunity, but it was, yeah, it was definitely a highlight of my life for sure. Wow. Wow. You, you mentioned the resurrection of Jake the Snake, which I remember watching that and it was so moving yeah. to watch that story. Um, of course, later I would, you know, obviously come and move down here and, and get to meet you guys. But talk about that process of trying to tell that particular story, A, as a wrestling fan and, and B, as a, you know, a filmmaker. Uh, what was your process on that? Because I've got to imagine that there were some really touchy moments that you weren't sure if you should film or cover. H how did you go about deciding what was going to make it and what wasn't and, and filming that story? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like I said, I started in 2013 and usually in that in that time, because we were just trying to film everything. And that's what Dallas said. He's like, hey, you guys just need to be filming all the time because as soon as you stop filming that's when all the best stuff happens so every mm -hmm. morning we'd go in we'd set up a camera and a rig and get uh like audio and stuff ready and we'd be editing and sometimes we'd hear an argument break down in the kitchen or something and we'd grab a camera and just try to film it without you know trying to be too obvious and of course there was a few times where i was yelled at and everything uh you know for that but it was uh my first experience in my lifetime of uh experiencing somebody going through addiction and it was a really crazy thing to experience, especially with people that you grew up having the action figures of and saw as superheroes and seeing them as vulnerable human beings and yeah. seeing that kind of thing can affect absolutely anybody. And it was very, uh, very moving thing for me. But yeah, there was so many different moments of watching Jake struggle, but him being able to just push through and like, I know it's very well documented, just the kind of childhood that he had. And mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's amazing the kind of stuff that he experienced, but it was able to, you know, conquer those those demons and watching that in real time i remember the day when he showed up on uh, monday night raw um when he returned and I, we had no idea Dal like dallas was going to be on monday night raw just make a cameo so we all had this big thing and we just watched it at his house and all of a sudden jake shows up within the bra and you see me in the resurrection just freaking out but when i got to my car i weeped like a little baby because that was like wow. such a beautiful moment the triumph yeah. of something really difficult i knew how much that meant for jake and even if people don't understand how much that meant but it was just an amazing and beautiful thing to watch somebody overcome such a such a demon he's just been sober ever since and it's uh yeah. it's really miraculous so that was such a big moving experience i even have like this uh snake like tattoo to represent it and wow Wow. There's a yeah. uh, razor blade to represent Razor Ramon and the diamond in the mouth of the cobra to represent DDP. Wow. Because wow. it left such a lasting impression. And also with Dallas being a wonderful example of what unconditional love and friendship looks like in somebody. Because Dallas had the absolute right to just ask him to get out of his house and, and everything. But Dallas kind of like stuck through and just really showed what a good friend is about. And that's one thing I will always love about Dallas is he's just uh, leads by example. And he really uh, walks his talk. So yeah, the resurrection was one of the more moving moments of my entire uh, life. And yeah, I can't recommend it enough to anybody that wants to watch. Like, I want like I recommend people watching it, especially if you uh, struggle with addiction or anything like that. I think it can give you a lot of hope because uh, Jake was is about was as far, pretty much as dark as you could probably get in life and him overcoming that was just an amazing thing. So I recommend that for anyone to watch. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, you know, you talked about 
what a great guy Dallas is and how that really shines through not only in the resurrection of, of Jake the Snake, but also we talked about it earlier in Relentless. Uh, you really see what kind of person Dallas really is. And um, one guy out in Relentless, just yeah. just the, the, when I sat down and finally got to watch it, I mean, I was bawling my eyeballs out. I think I posted something about that or whatever, but it was like he, he has such a heart. He has a big heart. He cares, but he's such a tough guy, you know? It's like Tom and Dallas Page, but, man, it ripped me up. It did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it's – and that's the thing, because, like, I, I even, like, make the joke of, uh, like, if we if we included every great thing that Dallas did or every accomplishment he had or every transformation that was just jaw-dropping, the documentary would just be, like, hours and hours and hours <laughs> long. Like, it's – to condense it down to what we did, like that was the thing. Like it, like you could ask anybody that's been there long term at DDP Yoga. You can ask Dylan or or someone like Garrett and everything. And just because we we would just uh, be working, and then somebody would start working with Dallas, and then we'd be there, and then they'd come back in the next year or so, and you would see these amazing transformations. Whether it be a complete physical thing, like you think of like this guy. Uh, named Jared that we had lose like 300 pounds or something crazy or people wow. just get their wow. uh, minds right. People who struggled with suicide or mental illness and, and decided to change that around through DDP yoga. So it's hard not to be just moved and inspired by all the things that, that wow. happened while working at DDP yoga. And it's, yeah, it's just absolutely like incredible. So I, I'll never forget all the things that I experienced or learned from uh, Dallas. So that's something I will, cherish for the rest of my life you know that's great let, 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 me, let me ask you about this um you know obviously stepping out and being an entrepreneur is a major move that i don't know a lot of people really understand the the gravity of um so to leave the security of ddpy to officially go full-time with kind punk talk about the process of that and then what kind punk has looked like for you since leaving DDPY? Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because uh, the story of Dallas is that he decided to take a chance on himself and do his own thing. And that's kind of what relentless is. But at the same time, I'm also working at AW where you see someone like Cody, you know, quitting his secure job to do his own thing and create his own right. destiny. So I'm getting like, this right. is being pumped into my head, but I lo love working at DDP yoga. It was, there was nothing wrong with working that. In fact, that's probably the only steady job I had. I've been offered a lot of uh, like steady jobs. I got offered a job at the Grand Ole Opry, like, uh, and I love like country music and stuff, but I turned it down because I wanted to stay where I was doing with Dallas. And yeah. it's the, like I said, DDP is the only like full-time job I would ever take. So, and Dallas has even told me like over and over, he's like, one day you're going to outgrow this and you're going to do your own thing. And I know that's coming. And, the day I decided where I started picking up a lot of clients and like after the Judas video and working with the cherry bombs and Alicia and all these other people and doing these documentaries, like a lot of work is like kind of came in to the point where it was really hard for me to do both. And mm -hmm. I had to choose between that or doing my own thing. And I was like, ultimately as great as this is, I ultimately have to, you know, do my own Absolutely. thing. And that's just kind of what I was talking about. So I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I left uh, DDP Yoga in, uh, last summer and during a pandemic, so I don't know why I decided to do it then, but you know, that's kind of how it worked. And, but yeah, it, it ended up doing really well, and people like have still been hiring me to do music videos and random whatever. 
So it's been just been incredible. Yeah, I'm doing Speaking like of that music video. video. I'm totally envious that you got to hang out with Sting. You you talking about? I mean, yeah, Steve Austin, the Hardys were your favorite, but I go back further than that. I go back to the Mohawk and the Rat Tail Sting. You know, so I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, how did you do that? How did that happen? Because. Uh, I could die. Yeah. Yeah. Don't die. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I could. No, please don't die. No, um, there was a, so the, the band, uh, I did a music video for a band called Islander, and the song was called Crazy Crazy World, and Mike yeah. Carbajal, who's the singer of that band, me and him became really good friends because we were both wrestling fans, we were both fans of punk rock and rock and roll music, and um we just we hit it off we were best friends i've been traveling him for a long time and uh i guess one time his favorite wrestler of all time is sting he loves yeah. sting me and mikey were both sting for halloween as kids oh. and <laughs> and then one day if, if, I, if i'm remembering it correctly i think uh like his manager uh said like oh yeah sting's gonna come to like your show or whatever he wants to like see y'all play and then mikey's just freaking out and then yeah sting gets to meet mikey at an islander show and then Sting gives Mikey his phone number or whatever, and uh, and then Mikey's freaking out. And uh, so they slowly built a relationship, and they were friends. And I've been on tour with them before. Anytime we'd go through the Dallas, Texas area, Sting would come out and eat food with us and hang out. And, and he was just kind of a friend of the band. And he's like, yeah, one day I want to do a video with you guys. And, and so we had the song Crazy Crazy World, and Mikey sent it to him. He's like, hey, do you want to do a video for this? And Sting said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so he just went and did that for us, and it was crazy because like he did it full, he did it full like gimmick too. Yeah. Like, he was in his paint and his gear, and laying in the bed and his paint and his gear. Yeah, yeah. And we got we got this Airbnb in uh, Dallas, Texas, that was kind of '90s theme, which is you know it looked like you know Saved by the Bell, and you had like the right. Simpsons, and you had all these different things like in the video, and it. And uh, it, it was basically a 90s aesthetic and 90s nostalgia. And WCW Crow Sting is like like huge 90s nostalgia for me and Mikey. Right. And, uh, yeah, so like he Sting comes in and he's talking to us. He's like, yeah, let me go get changed. And so me and Mikey and the band are just sitting in the living room. And then Sting walks in and he just has his face painted his gear on. He's like, all right, what do you guys want to do? And we're all just like, it's Sting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's going to do it, he has to do it right. It's sick, yeah. It's sick. Yeah, so I was just like, oh my God. He was just like, he's like, yeah, Nathan, what do you want me to do? And I was like, uh, just stand there. Just stand there and let me look and take this in, yeah. I was nervous because I was just like, because my idea for it was to make a, a, you know, a larger than life character have a very mundane daily kind of thing. And that was the idea for the video. And so he was just like, what do you want to do? And I was like, can I just film you like brushing your teeth? <laughs> you know, it's just a really weird thing. Sting, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, he was, he was just easy to work with. And the funny thing is like in the video, we, we are mostly in the Airbnb, but at the end he goes to like a little shop and he gives a guy a sandwich. So, and it's like, so I ended up driving with him and he was still in face paint and gear while he was driving his truck to the next location. And people were just driving like this. Is that Sting driving yeah, that truck? Yeah, that would me. I'd have wrecked my car if I'd have seen that. I would have yeah. definitely seen that one. Oh, yeah, it crazy. was just, yeah, it was an amazing, like, experience. And Sting is just great. And, like, and he was at, it was funny because at the time he was just curious because he knew that I worked 
uh, along with AEW. So he was picking my brain about AEW and how it was there. And I was just like, wow. I was like, yeah, man. Like, uh, I was like, yeah, AEW is great. Like, every, it's just a really fun, like, environment and stuff. And he was just asking me that, about that kind of thing. He's like, oh, that's really cool. And then, like, a few months later, like, he's just there. So it was crazy. I think he was just kind of picking everybody's brain about even going to AEW, including mine. So it was, it was really fun. Wow. Thank you. Thank that, that you is, for that. Yeah, I was going to say, let's thank, we'll thank Nathan for that. That's great. Oh, my God. I'm taking 100% awesome. credit for staying in AEW. I'm just going to completely, completely I definitely put that on my resume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, so that, that was neat. <laughs> so that was one of my favorite videos Crazy. and experiences well, that Scott have. That's incredible, dude. And and I love that video. And it, and it kind of coincided with uh, Sting showing up at AEW, you know, it kind of yeah. all happened around the same time when the video was released. So I, I honestly, I thought maybe you, you were the one that got him to come in and maybe you knew him through AEW, but I guess this all happened way ahead of that. Yeah. Like my, me filming with Sting had no connection to AEW at all. It just yeah. kind of like crazy that, that kind of just happened. Wild. I didn't even wow. know. He, like I literally didn't know he was in AEW until he walked out. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I think they kind of kept it a big surprise. That's a crazy. lot of people. So I didn't even yeah. know until he showed up. Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, while we're since we're talking about music videos, and you you kind of uh, mentioned Judas a little earlier, which is probably one of your videos that has the most views ever, uh, and also Jericho, who was part of Relentless, he was in that documentary of uh, hyping up DDPY and everything. But talk to us a little bit about the connection there and how you got hooked up with Chris Jericho, and that just turned into like several videos for those guys, right? For Fozzie. Yeah, I've I've done like at this point I've done four Fozzie videos. I've done wow. Fozzie Across America, which is a thirty minute documentary on YouTube I did about them. I've done yeah, the I'm too I'm too old for the shit feature documentary and everything <laughs> yeah. that Jericho produced by Shot Perfected and I I just did a video for his side band quarantine called Love is a Deadly Weapon and that video came out last week. So I've done a lot of stuff with uh, Chris over the years and but basically what happened was uh, Chris uh, wanted to, like, because obviously like Rich Ward and a lot of the Fozzie guys are kind of local to the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. And Jericho came in in early 2017 and used DDP Yoga Studio for a photo shoot. And he was looking at it and he was like, man, this would be a really good place for a music video. And Steve, you and Dallas were like, oh, Nathan does music, like rock music videos. Like you should have him do it. And and Jericho was like, oh, cool, let me give you my phone number. And I was just like, oh, man, this is exciting. And I, and I, I ended up talking to him. He kind of gave me the I like, uh, kind of what he wanted to do. It was based off of an old uh, Guns N' Roses music video called Garden of Eden. And uh, so he's like, I kind of want to do something like this. And I was like, okay, I want to play with, like, time. And then I want to, like, put some evil clowns. And I want to, like, have a little guy with a fan. And I want to light myself on fire. And I was just pitching all these things. And he's just like, I love it. Let's do it. And, like... So we, we set like a day to do that at DDP Yoga and we did three takes. We used the third take and because it was a one take, I ended up editing and coloring and edit, editing it like in the hour. So like we shot it, edited it and it also got approved in like the same afternoon. So wow. I remember when Jared was wow. leaving, he was just like, he's like, Hey man, whenever you get the chance, no rush, just send me a, send me the video for me to review and i was like oh it's already in your email and then he went to have dinner and he just texted me and he's like this is the best video we've ever had he's like i don't need to see the other take this is our this is the one and then he posted it and then now it's like 
over 45 million views. So it was the best video of my biggest video for me, definitely. And uh, Chris says all the time how Fo like Judas is like Fox's biggest hit, but it's also my biggest hit because I think it made a lot of people be like, oh, okay, well, maybe Nathan does know what he's doing as far as videos go. So I ended up getting that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. And so people started awesome. hiring me a lot just based off of that. So I'm just trying to ride this Judas wave as long as I can. So it's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Ride the wave. Yeah. I just, I just love how earlier you said, I just love how earlier you said with the Stone Cold thing and you were sitting here going like, there's, I'm at the peak. There's no way anything could get better than this. And then all these other stories you're telling us are just like, everything get gets better. 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 Yeah. Who are you, man? Yeah, it's it's nuts because I, I grew up just absolutely loving pro wrestling and it's it was my thing. It was the thing that I was most obsessed with. You can ask anybody I grew up with, like pro wrestling and filmmaking were my two things. And it almost feels like I'm getting away with murder because I can't believe that I'm actually getting to do this for a living as an adult. And it's just it's just awesome. an incredible blessing. So, wow. That's awesome. That's and, and Dylan's very similar. You know, he says the same thing about his two passions being pro wrestling and, and like video production, film and all that kind of stuff. And being able to combine the two has got to be just insane for you guys. So it's, it's super cool that we've gotten to know both of you guys like through SHW and everything. And um, yeah. I do want to shift into SHW 25 because it's actually coming up next Friday. And uh, I mean, we always get super stoked when we're, especially when we're a week out from the next show. So if you want, while we have you here, let's kind of go through the card a little bit and uh, kind of do a little preview. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me pull up the, the list of matches over here. All right. Yes. Let's talk about, uh, we have this great tag team match that I think surprised a lot of people because we haven't seen the Washington Bullets in almost uh, a year and a half, two years maybe. Uh, and they're going to be, Coming back to SHW, talking about Jay and uh, John and Trey Williams, the Washington Bullets taking on technical excellence, Chip Day and Kyle Matthews. What do we think? Jeez. Dude, like I've gotten to know the Washington Bullets a little bit with with working with Pro Wrestling Circuit. That's really where I met them just recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, their energy is is great. They there's they're hype. They they got you know they just want to get out there and work, but when you talk about Chip Day and Kyle Matthews in any setting, especially together, I mean, come on. That's that's Kyle Matthews and Chip Day. You know? Yeah. I could say that all day long. That's Kyle Matthews and Chip Day. <laughs> that's my pick. All right. Yeah. No, I wanna I wanna have to agree with you on that. It's just like Washington Bullets, you know, they've been around for a while and I've seen them, you know, work a lot of times and they're great, but just Ship Day and Kyle Matthews as individuals are just unbelievable. So with, with them, like, on a tag team, and we've seen them, they, they work two matches and whatever, like this last Southern Honor. So right, they are right. just one of the best talents and, like, they are just so dialed in with what they do. So Ship like Chip Day and Kyle Matthews, that's that's where it's going to be for me. If they're just absolutely crushing it, and uh, they're two of my favorite people to watch in something on wrestling or just in indie wrestling in general. You know, I think this is going to be a must-win match for uh, technical excellence for this reason. Um, the first time we got to see them team up, it was a triple threat match where they were battling for the number one contendership, and they weren't able to get the win. And then we saw them last month in an impromptu tag match after they each had singles matches and they weren't able to get the win. Now, I think this will be the first time that they get to actually have 
a tag team match against one tag team, not two, not having wrestled multiple times. Um, that's bad news for the Washington Bullets. I appreciate the fact that they're coming back, but you'd almost want to come back against almost any other tag team Anybody. besides these two guys. Um, so I think it's going to be intriguing. The other side of it is the Bullets aren't coming here uh, after a long layoff from SHW to just sit down and lose. So I think right. we're going to have another very competitive tag team match on our hands. And I think the thing that Chip Day and uh, Kyle Matthews are going to have to do is figure out that one little thing that they got to do to adjust to get a win. And I think if they do that, we'll be talking about them for a long time to come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, uh, the Washington Bullets, they've been called a staple of Georgia tag team wrestling. You could call them Georgia legends. Well, Chip Day, Kyle Matthews have also been called and considered Georgia le uh, legends uh, in Georgia wrestling. So, uh, man, it's going to be awesome. And, you know, Gary talked about coming into the new year about how we were going to put in more of a focus on the tag team division and start mm -hmm. bringing in some of the best tag teams around the Southeast, around the country even. And so this is just another sign of that right here, bringing in the Washington Bullets mm -hmm. and, uh, and this up-and-coming team. I say up-and-coming team and as, as if they're like new guys. But the thing is, they've been around a long time. We just haven't yeah. seen them tag together until recently here in mm -hmm. SHW. So uh, it's going to be an amazing match. And, again – Remaining unbiased. I, I don't know. That one could go either way. Um, so we'll just see. But since we're talking about the tag team division, let's talk about this uh, tag team championship match that we have, we're supposed to have gotten uh, last month or earlier this month, but we hadn't gotten yet uh, because the Lynch brothers were not able to make it to the show. So now Gary has said, he came out and said earlier this week that they will be at SHW 25. They will defend the tag team titles against Lethal Poison. However, if they do not show up for whatever reason, he, they will be stripped of the tag team titles. And I would hate to see that happen. But I understand that business is business, and it's already been two months without a title defense. That's fair. So, That's yeah. fair. But I'd I, I hate for them to lose it after a whole year, of course, through the pandemic and everything. But to lose it by not being able to show up or not showing up, that's – yeah, that's not a way to do it. But – yeah. I understand. What do we think, guys? Uh, do you have a do you have a pick in this Nathan? one, or, or do you think what do you think about the thought of them possibly being stripped of the titles? You know, it's it's really good. I mean, uh, you know, Lynch Bob, they're really, really, really good. But like, uh, I just feel like Lethal Poison has just really been uh, just really just uh, ahead of the game. It seems like these past like few months, they've like been able to outsmart a lot of. Uh, a lot of people. So even if like, uh, they're even not the best, like at that tag team, they, they're one of the smarter teams. So they know how to get ahead in a lot of ways. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if lethal poison, like, uh, took that, but just with how good, uh, the Lynch mob is, I I'm thinking Lynch mob will probably retain, but I also would not be surprised if lethal poison somehow pulled the upset. If they so, did uh, win though, just, just throwing it out there. If, if, uh, lethal poison did pull it off, do you think it would sway Gunner's decision on what he's going to do? Mm. I mean, it's been like, what, two or three shows in a row that he's flat out turned them down. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You think if they had the tag team gold, that might change his mind? I, I don't oh, know. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, it'll probably just – I mean, that does prove that if you want to align yourself with a group and that they're bringing in gold in the group, that's just a testament to that. And so I do think that would 
affect uh, that decision. So, right. I mean, if I was Gunner and I saw that, and like, they're like, oh, these guys are bringing in titles and stuff. This is this is these are the people that I want to align myself with. I think it would be a great decision on his behalf. But I could and definitely possibly, see him being swayed. Possibly too, that could help me get my goal. Exactly. Because yeah. they're devious, you know. I could see them kind of having a hand in eventually him getting the title from yeah. Ali, whoever's going to wind up with it at the end of the night. I, I, I've got two thoughts on this. Uh, thought number one, I, I don't want to take credit for Gary Lamb making this stance, but I did suggest this on commentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fact that it's, it's, you know, we can't control the pandemic, right? Um, so that added months to their title reign. And then they have a couple of months, one month someone's injured, another month, you know. So when you look at the, you know, we can say the longest, reigning uh, tag team champions, but you look at the bulk of that reign, you're looking at two, maybe three tag team title defenses in a year. So, you know, for the sanctity of the tag team championships, they're going to have to show up. Um, but here's the thing, even in them showing up, uh, to Nathan's point, lethal poison has been lethal. You know, it seems as though ever since Corey Hollis lost the SHW championship, they've mm -hmm. just had this insane, it's more than, than a chip. They've had a whole log on their shoulders. And um, I mean, they have just been tearing through everybody. So, you know, to me, I think whether uh, they're handed the titles or they fight for them, I think they leave SHW 25 with the tag team championships. And to Diana Michelle's point, I'm reminded of the great movie Sister Act 2, when Lauren Hill says, if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. And Gunnar right. Miller, wake up and pay attention to Lethal Poison, because uh, once they win the tag titles, they could be your key to the whole reason you're in SHW now, to get a shot at the championship. So I think all of that is contingent upon a big win for Lethal Poison. I think they leave SHW 25 with the tag team titles. Wow. Well, there you go. Uh, let's, since we're talking about Gunnar Miller there, let's, kinda, let's talk about his match real quick. He's going to be taking on a guy making his SHW debut <clears throat> at SHW 25. It's CT Keys. And I know this guy's been around uh, the Southeast, been all over the place, but I'm personally not super familiar with him. But I will say that with the hot streak that Gunnar has been on and with, you know, with, SHW championship gold in his sights, I would imagine. Uh, CT Keys may be coming in at the wrong time uh, right. to be taking on Gunnar Miller one-on-one. -on -one. So I, I'm thinking Gunnar's on this hot streak. I, but, again, I don't know much about this CT Keys. Do you guys – are you guys familiar with him at all? Not, not real familiar, no. Not yeah. enough to say, you know, yes or no on either one. But um, – just anybody coming in against Gunner right now because his focus is either winning his match but avoiding lethal, lethal poison. But how distracted is he going to be? Because you know the last couple of shows, they've come out and they've, they've been right there in the – like pretty much in his face the whole time he's been wrestling that, that match. And, and is, is he going to be thinking about what, are they coming out again? Am I going to have to avoid him again? Am I going to actually do something? There's a, there's a little factor there, so that could be an advantage for CT Keys. That's a good point. Well, I, here's my thought on it. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a distraction Lethal Poison actually has been. I think they actually helped 
uh, going to win these last two big matches that he had. Uh, think about it. You know, he just barely last month got by Chris Banks. I just knew he was going to railroad Chris Banks, but it wasn't until, um, you know, there was some help down in the corner uh, from Corey Hollis encouraging him, saying, dude, yeah. come on. He had to remind Gunner who he was. So to your point, uh, no disrespect to C.T. Keys, but uh, I don't know who could come in right now uh, and beat Gunnar Miller, particularly when Corey Hollis is somewhere around. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly where I, I am with uh, both of you guys on that. It's just uh, Gunnar Miller has just been completely dominant every time he's stepped into the ring, and I don't see that uh, ending anytime soon. Um, yeah, I don't know much about CT Keys. I could be completely wrong. He could be the guy to, do, to come in and absolutely uh, stop, stop Gunnar Miller. I'm not familiar with him. Um, so he very well could be that guy. But I'm just, out of everything that's been happening recently, I highly uh, uh, believe that, you know, Gunnar Miller is going to end up winning with this one. But also, it is a good point um, that, you know, with uh, Lethal Poison always trying to recruit him and Gunner. There's a lot of probably that he has a lot weighing on his mind, especially with them coming out at the end of the matches. So that could play a factor into him being distracted. And, you know, he could, uh, that could be a factor in his match. But I think personally, he. I will say, uh, you know, could you imagine if CT keys comes in and just blows everybody's minds and just, and dominates or something like could you imagine i'm not saying that's going to happen because i'm not super familiar but stranger things have happened in pro wrestling yeah. that much stranger things talk about making a name for yourself right off the bat i mean that would be huge even if it's not a dominating match even if he just wins the match i think would shock a lot of people so stranger things have happened we shall see it's shw where you never know what's going to happen so uh we shall see uh, we had a triple threat match at the last show, uh, an impromptu triple threat match that uh, kind of came from the Petty Party, where Owen Knight was a guest with Ashton Starr, and of course that devolved into a triple threat with uh, AC Mack jumping in there as well. Well, this month at SHW25, Ashton Starr will go one-on-one with Owen Knight. You got the Prince of Petty versus the working team captain, two guys that have been around since the beginning, uh, and two guys that... I, are fairly evenly matched, in my opinion. But what do we, what do we think? <laughs> it's, it's it's so much of a toss up. It, it, they're both just so good. I mean, they're they're you know you have like Owen Knight coming off of this uh, match they had with David Ali two months ago. Um, I really think uh, he like Owen Knight was so close to having this oh. SHW title, and I know that him barely having that in his hands. I, and I know Owen Knight; I know that probably light, lights a fire under him. So, but you're also going against someone like Ashton, who is also a great talent of himself, and also knows that kind of situation. So it's really hard for me to uh, decide because they're both just really, and and I would say in their primes right now, just absolutely uh, dominating both of that, but. Just because I believe that Owen Knight uh, was so close to getting that SHW title, there's probably some other drive going in there. I, I saw that in him when he was doing uh, uh, the Petty Party. I, I could just absolutely tell that. So I'm going to go with Owen Knight on this one. Personally, uh, I want to say Owen. Um, what now? Why? Why personally would you say Owen? Hmm. <laughs> Ashton just hmm. loves to push 
buttons and he he knows how to do it I, yes it's up to me whether i let him or not but god he loves it but it's not just me gb but he's, he he does the same to owen and, and through that whole petty party interview he was just you know digging and digging so when owen finally had enough he got you know it was it was legit you know but i think owen because he did lose to david and like like ac came out said you know you lost to david and mind you david is a little different than what he was when he was you know with new era he's he's got a whole different attitude but i think owen's got something to prove because yes he did lose to david and then he lost to um ac mac and you know ashton got kind of the best of him as far as you know, digging a little bit. So, I mean, I think he's just, he's fighting his way back through. Uh, Ashton, on the other hand, is, he was champion for 20 minutes, okay? Okay, he was champion for 20 minutes. But I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with Owen for this. And Ashton's probably gonna tear me a new one for that one, but you know, let's go, bring it on. Mm -hmm. What else is new, right? What else is new, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I have been a fan of both of these guys. And uh, of course, it's well documented, you know, my history with Ashton at this point. Um, Owen, uh, to echo what everyone has said, uh, really has a challenging space right now. Where do you go after you've almost touched the brass ring? You know, the thing you've been working on the hardest. You finally get the main event match. You finally get the title match. And then you get cheated out of it um, by David Ali and you don't even get a chance for retribution. Um, so it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a great match. I really do think it's gonna be a great match. Um, here's the unfortunate part. As much as Ashton has disrespected us, he's been finding ways to win. Um, yeah. The petty party match that he had with Vari Morales, uh, I had no, no, no chance of him winning that, and he won it. Um, and so I don't know what little underhanded things he may have to try to pull out uh, against uh, against his opponent. The, the the problem I have is he won't even refer to Owen by his name. He re right. he took the flyer and he went over his name and just called him guest. Yes. So uh, I, I think the challenge right now is how will Owen Knight force Ashton to put some respect on his name? I think that's going to happen, and uh, Ashton's in trouble. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the petty party rules match there with Barry Morales, and I couldn't help I chuckled a second because I couldn't think help but think about how the petty party became the twisted tea party there. Uh, briefly oh yes, when uh, our very own Susie came out yeah. and uh, got involved there. <laughs> that was, that was probably, a great moment. Awesome. Yeah, it was one. It was a great moment. It's probably one of my favorite highlights. And and like you said, Ashton's probably going to tear me a new one as well for saying that. But all of us, I guess. Who cares? Just throw another one in the bucket. Oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. What, by the way, who was that her idea, Nathan? Do you know the backstory on the twisted, the twisted tea? Yeah, I don't even know. I was just ringside, just filming my match, doing my job. But then all of a sudden, here comes Susie <laughs> out of nowhere. I didn't even know that was going to happen. She just walked out, and she started whooping Ashton's ass. And it was just, awesome. yeah. and then, I loved it, man. Justice. I was kind of high-fiver as she was coming down the ramp. I was like, hey, I was like being a fan and everything. Yeah. Trying to yes. get <laughs> Like, as she rode down with me, I don't know when she got the Twisted Tea. Like, yeah, I don't remember it being in the car at any point. So there's a lot of questions I still have about how that even happened. But, oh. you know, like, uh, Ashton was just being uh, just a jerk to Susie for months on month's end. And uh, 
she finally got some retribution and he better like uh be careful because you don't know who Susie's friends are and who could uh be better watch yourself wow you just <laughs> never know that was definitely though that was definitely a premeditated twisted tea attack the way that it was just hitting everything, you can tell that she's been practicing and thinking about. Oh, it was perfect. Out for the twisted tea. Whew, man. Uh, I, before we move on, though, I do want to ask: Does anybody know? Did we ever find Ashton's uh, Ashton's chair from the last show? He was like, "Where's my chair?" And nobody knew where there's. We sent out like uh, me and Dylan and Gary. We sent out search parties, and uh, we looked for several hours, and we were not able to recover the chair. We set out flyers and everything, and posted everything. But uh, our thoughts and prayers with the chair. Hopefully, it will be recovered, and it will be returned <laughs> to Ashton and his rightful owner. So, uh, oh, it's that poor little chair. It's been chair napped. Yes, chair napped. <laughs> so be on the lookout for any stray chairs you might see. All right, all right. Moving on, we got uh, what I would consider a true definition of a hoss fight down here, as we would say in the South. We got Austin Towers taking on the returning Ben Buchanan, the chief versus the man of, of 1,000 lariats. Towers versus Buchanan. What do we guys think about this? Oh, that is going to be a big one. Um, I don't have a winner on that one. I don't. Um, I was, I, I just don't. Does anybody talk to Austin since he had that whole encounter with Simbody? I, 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 I have not heard from him. I have not heard from him, but uh, I mean, of course, he did get the victory there. Uh, and yeah. I do, I do know that him and Buchanan have fought twice before, and they've split the victory. So this will mm. kind of be the uh, deciding, mm. the third match, the tiebreaker, the rubber match, if you will. So uh, yeah, I don't have a winner. I don't know. Nathan, as long what do you the think? House is still standing, we're good. I mean, you know, I, I would have to go with probably Austin Towers in this one. Just like he has just been absolutely dominant. Just a huge human being. Like, I mean, he just, he looks like big on camera. But when you're out there, like for me being a camera guy and being having to like bend upward to like make sure I can film his face. So he's just a huge guy and an athletic guy too. Like uh, yeah. just, just has so much power. And just even with him aligning himself with David Ali and we saw the things that happened with David Ali and, Creed and the sun and everything. The fact that Austin Towers would uh, even just be present for something like that shows you that he has a different way of thinking about, you know, life and has a complete disregard for people. So him going into a match like this, like I think that does make him a little bit more uh, of a dangerous opponent. And so I'm going to have to go with Austin Towers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to second that. Uh, it, not just the fact that he's a seven-foot monster, and he is, but he threatened to kill me at the last show. Uh, if I touched uh, the bat and the coat of one David Ali, he looked at me and said, I will kill you touch if you it touch and this. Die. Touch, touch it, it and die. So here. I remember it was you, scary. Yeah, I, was, I had enough go on that night, so gonna make this real quick austin towers for the win i like my life uh <laughs> yeah um well we like your life too gb and, and yeah. I, thank you i don't want anything bad to happen to you ever again because then <laughs> you yell at me and i don't like it when that happens so uh anyways if you watch we can blame one person for that it was david ali's fault but if you watch the last show on iwtv you know exactly what i'm talking about next but, time uh, you're gonna have to use the chair b 
I, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll throw, I'm going to throw myself in front of the bus next time for you. That's what's going to happen. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> I just hope it doesn't happen again. Let's just put it that way. Let's, let's hope not. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But I, I got to say, I mean, we've talked about this before. We've had Ben Buchanan on the show with us before. I mean, this kid is a thoroughbred. I mean, he's got the pedigree. He's got all the makings of a huge star in this business. Um, and I mean, he's, he's got the physique, he's got the, the talent, like just all, he's got the whole package, I think. And, but then on the other side, then you got towers who also has a whole package and he's seven foot tall. Um, mm -hmm. so I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be pulling up. I'll just be honest. I'm pulling for uh, Buchanan here, but I, I just don't know with, with the, with the role that, uh, that towers has been on. And of course, like y'all said, aligning himself with Ali, um, I, I'm just – I'm not feeling too good for, for Buchanan for uh, SHW 25. But but we'll see. Again, it's SHW. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Stranger things have happened. So we'll we'll see. But um, let's move on down the list here. We got uh, – let's, let's talk about this match. It's a big, huge eight-man tag team match. And these are the, the faces of the poster, the poster that went viral, if you will, um, which – Nathan, did you have anything to do with that poster, by the way? No, you know, I, it's no secret that I am a massive fan of Waffle House. Like, I absolutely I know. love it. So, That's why I uh, thought maybe you had something to do with it. You know, I unfortunately did not uh, have any part of that. Man, I am, thank I am thankful to have my name attached to a poster of Bad Magnitude because it is just absolutely probably the best wrestling poster or poster of any kind in the history of the human race. But that's just my own opinion. It's, uh, so, so, well, let's tell you about this eight-man tag match. Uh, we found out earlier in the week, All-Star Special, and of course I'm talking about Huckabee, Hold My Beer Hanson. They were going to get to pick two mystery partners, and they were going to take on the team of all four members of the Honor Society. That's including logan chase well we found out a little while later that they picked their two partners or i guess i should say hansen more picked them than huckabee because huckabee looked a little shocked to find us out actually but it turns out it's going to be the good old boys uh cousin shaggy and cousin cletus now nathan you're over here raising your hands up can you tell us a little bit about the good old boys because this will be their debut for shw so uh, this might be their debut for SHW, but it's not their debut for the town of Canton. They are right. a pretty popular little act. They've, they've wrestled a lot of different other companies in the area. I've seen them wrestle uh, back in the day at Superstars of Wrestling in Rome. And, and when I was there, just hearing the crowd just get behind them. And it's just, they are just so entertaining. And I'm so excited for a lot of the people of the Southern Honor crowd who have not been familiar. But if you like All-Star Special, then this is just an extension of that. So just, I love Hold My Beer Hanson. And just, I've always been a fan of Huck. I think Huck can do so many great things. I mean, we can't, like, I don't even, like, go into how insane his, uh, fights he had with Joe Black and everything was, but that was the best match that's ever happened in Southern Wrestling. So for him to go from having a match and a rivalry of that uh, level and being able to uh, come in and just completely change everything up and just have fun with everything and uh, teaming up with Hold My Beer Hanson, it's just, it shows you that he is a well-rounded guy as a wrestler, yeah. but it's, yeah. yeah. And then you put, you know, the good old boys in there and then you put someone with, Holy Beer Hansen is one of the best performers in the state right now. It's it's just going to be a great time. And personally, it's the match I think I'm looking most forward to. All right. 
Well, real quick, before we get to the, uh, uh, you other guys here, let's talk about real quick. Uh, something that we found out later is that Kevin Ryan, for whatever reason, is unable to make it. So Bryce Cannon, which is one half of Exotic Youth, will be joining. He'll be an honorary member of the Honor Society. So once again, we'll get to see the White Claws versus the whatever it's Natty Light or Bud Light, whatever they have that night. Whatever's uh, on sale. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whichever they can get on sale. Exactly. So, so yeah. So that's a little twist to throw in there that Bryce Cannon will be joining uh, the Honor Society. Jeez, I I don't know what to think about that. Actually, um, did, will he mesh very well? I mean, is there any meshing at all with the Honor Society? But I don't know. I mean, I, I'm definitely going with the Good Old Boys and and All Star Special. I mean, that team right there. I feel like I'm going to pick them up in the back of my truck and bring them up from down here with me. That <laughs> just sounds like my cousins, you know, and Huck, you know, whatever. So I'm all for it. I'm ready to watch that one. That sounds like a barrel of laughs. <laughs> it'll probably be it'll probably be the most entertaining uh, moment of the night. And I'm not sure what we're looking forward to most, if we're looking forward to the match or the entrance. Um, yeah. Because after last month, um, was awesome. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I just can't believe, and I really have to think long and hard in the history of pro wrestling, have there been any two people who have captivated a crowd in such a quick period of time as this whole all-star special situation. I mean, it was just a couple of months ago, we were laughing about how Hanson hacked his way onto this podcast, right. you know? And, you know, he gets in the Rumble Jack and he campaigns for that. Then he gets into a match with uh, Cyrus, the Destroyer. Then he wants a rematch and we're thinking he's crazy and then he wins. <laughs> and then now they've got merch and now they're on the lead poster of our next event? <laughs> what else can you say? So I can't bet against them. They've already proven me wrong several times. They turned the whole SHW into a party. It was. In like two minutes. It was just the best, the best moment ever. I mean, the whole crowd was, if you was in a bad mood, you got out of it quick. I did. How did you not get behind them? <laughs> We mentioned this a few weeks ago after that happened because I said that was like the best thing that could have happened during that show because <laughs> because prior to that after the incident with Ali and GB it was, was your saving me, grace, B. It was just saving grace. I felt so terrible, and then that happened, and it just brought everybody's spirits up. And I thought, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> oh, it was great. Oh God. But you're right. Now I'm now I'm just excited for the entrance. But I think it's going to be a heck of a match as well. Uh, we. Nathan's obviously seen them. I personally have not seen the good old boys in action. I, I've seen them. I know who they are. Um, uh, Shaggy and Cletus, man. It's going to be uh, – we're in for a treat here. And now they go by cousin Shaggy and cousin Cletus. I don't know if they're actually – do we know? Are they Hanson's cousins? I'm not sure. I guess we'll I, find out. I will have to ask Hanson. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, it's going to be good, though. But uh, one We all claim each other down here anyway. <laughs> Everybody. Uh. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, so one thing Diana said, will Bryce Cannon, will he be able to mesh well with the other members of uh, the Honor Society? And we rarely see Logan Chase in the ring. We saw him in the mm -hmm. ring for the Rumble Jack, which surprised a lot of people. So he'll actually be in this match. Gary made it a point 
and said, Logan, you will be in this match. Does that I, mean he will not have his cane this time? I, I'm sure he'll have it. He'll he'll find a way to bring it out for some reason. You know, because he, you know, you see the limp that he walks with that he obviously um, needs a cane. Um, like, so maybe he needs to be medically cleared before he gets I, I don't know. But I, I did see earlier in the week that him and uh, Jordan Kingsley going back and forth on social media talking about how uh, – this was unfair of Gary Lamb to make this ruling, this match, and how uh, uh, Logan Chase was going to get on the phone with their lawyers and, and get it sorted out. So we'll see. But okay. bottom line is we're going to have this eight-man tag match. It's going to be awesome. And that finally brings us to our main event of the evening. It's going to be the first ever in SHW history first blood match. Blood. Not just a first blood match. It's also – for the SHW Championship, David Ali defending against Sunny Days. And, GB, do you want to take us back real quick to kind of what sparked this match? Um, well, it's a few things that have sparked this match. Um, you could go back a couple of months ago uh, where, uh, of course, Dylan came in to make a save. Then he got kicked in the head. Sunny Days shows up, um, points himself towards wanting a title match. And of course, last month, just everything went off the rails. Uh, Ravenna Vane gets kicked in the head. Uh, we get a title match that goes off the rails. Uh, Sonny wins by DQ. Then of course, we've got Logan, uh, Logan Creed, who comes in, makes a save. You do an interview with him. And that went off the rails as David Ali shows up, punts Logan in front of his child. The world starts talking about how could they do this in front of his child, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody knew Ali was in the building. It was a closed building. So how he got there is beyond me. Um, and so uh, it's very simple. Uh, Sunny Days wanted revenge. And uh, he was satisfied with the first blood match. But uh, Gary Lamb, again, put his GM hat on and said, no, if the champion is fighting, it's going to be for the title. And uh, I know we're supposed to be unbiased, but I hope sunny days gives him everything he deserves and you know again gary said you're not gonna it's not a first nick match it's not a first cut match it's a first blood match there will be blood and um if there's gonna be blood it should come from a guy who thinks he's a savior i mean exactly put that sacrifice out there if that's what you want to be Mm -hmm. Wear that crown, wear that crown. I totally agree with that completely. I got sunny days on this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with sunny days as well. I mean, like this last last month, I feel like Sunny really had his number and because of the just the way that it ended, I, I really think uh, Sunny would have uh, uh, walked out if it ended in the way that it did. So. And now you also have to think that anybody else, like, interfering in this match, whether it be Austin Towers or everything, Logan Creed is now a factor in, in all of this. So, And I've, uh, and I've, known, I've seen and I've known Sonny Davis for a very long time, and he's a really tough guy. I mean, to get that guy to bleed, he has to fall off a ladder and, like, break a table across his face to get a bunch of stitches. Mm -hmm. It takes, like, a lot to make this man bleed. I was – because being the camera guy, I was just right there – filming last week or last month and seeing David Ali put the barbed wire baseball bat to Sonny's head and just carving him and carving him. Yeah. And Sonny yeah. still wasn't able to bleed and was able to get up and just still fight against David Ali. And it just kind of shows you how tough uh, Sonny Days is. And uh, I think things have changed a lot and I don't think um, 
I don't think Dave Ali is ready for uh, what Sonny is going to be bringing this next time around. And I do think Dave Ali is going to be the one to, to bleed first. It's going to be interesting. You know, Gary said he was going to leave it up to the referee's discretion as far as, you know, a good amount of blood uh, to decide the winner of this match. And like you said, not a little scratch, not a little, not just a little drop of blood, but there's going to be a good amount. Uh, at least that's my impression here. And he also mentioned because of what happened uh, with Logan getting punted during that interview, uh, and, and that's what, that was coming off of a few months prior when he was dealing with the concussions with that match against mm -hmm. Hunter. And so he said that the, the medics were not clearing him to be uh, in action here coming up at SHW 25. However, we've heard that before about so-and-so is not allowed in the building or so-and-so is you know, not allowed at ringside, and it's pro wrestling. Things happen. Who knows? I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be there, but I just I have no idea. Um, we've just seen crazier things happen in the past. But I will say, um, I think you're right. I think Sonny had David's number. I think the reason David got himself disqualified was because he knew that he had the match lost. Um, and, and that's why he did what he did. But uh, it's going to be crazy, man. I'm, I'm, you know, and again, we say we're supposed to be unbiased, except for this match, because I'm just going to straight up tell you, I hope Sunny Days walks out of there as our new SHW champion. And uh, guys, it's going to be one heck of a show. SHW 25 coming up next Friday, March 5th at the Action Building. Uh, doors, uh, tickets go on sale at the door at 5 o'clock. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. Of course, we'll have this show going on from uh, 7 to 7.30 live on Facebook. And I just want to say thank you to our guest here tonight, not only for helping us uh, preview SHW25, but also giving us all the good stuff about Kind Punk and all the projects you've worked on. Yes, Nathan Mowry. Yeah, Nathan Mowry, do you have anything else uh, final you want to say to the crowd before we let you go? Uh, not, not really. Just follow me on social media at Nathan Mowry at Kind Punk Film. And, yeah, come on out, put your mask on, and come to uh, Canton, Georgia next Friday night and watch some good wrestling, the best wrestling in all of Georgia, and come out to Southern Honor. It's going to be a good time. You're not going to want to miss it. Come see what all the hype's about. And uh, right. guys will let me be a part of, part of this. Absolutely, Absolutely, man. We love having you. Well, guys, do you all have anything else to say before we wrap things up here? Nah, we'll see you guys next Friday. It's see be you guys amazing. Friday. All right. Well, until next week when we talk to you live in the Action Building, this has been SHW. This is our wrestling.